0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Hello Aina's podcast. If you're new here, thanks for tuning in and if you have been listening to my past episodes, welcome back. I know I haven't posted anything in quite a while but today I'm thrilled because I have with me a very special guest. This is a friend of mine back in England. We went to the same primary school together. We have on the show, Ryan Sinclair. Hey Ryan. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. What's going on, man?
1: Uh, Not bad, not bad yourself?
0: Just the ordinary stuff. (laughs) Wow, this is so surreal. Like, listening to your voice, I haven't heard it in like 17 years.
1: (laughs) It has been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How's your PhD going?
0: Well, I'm currently just writing my thesis, but my experiment is still ongoing. There's some rush patch due to COVID uh, since March. That's a nightmare. So what are you up to lately? A source told me that you are married with kids now.
1: Ha! No. <laughs> <laughs> ah.
0: So, oh, so my, informant, Who was
1: your my
0: informant is wrong. My little sister. <laughs> oh. You still remember?
1: Yeah, I remember your sister. No, not married oh, yeah. with kids. Uh, I moved in with my girlfriend in October,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. but not married and no kids. Don't intend to have kids, mate.
0: <laughs> oh, really? You know, do you intend to have kids?
1: Nah, it's never something I've really wanted.
0: Yeah, Because I've seen your Facebook and you were always around traveling and hiking. <laughs> so I don't think kids will be in your picture. <laughs> exactly.
1: They just get in the way. What about you?
0: My life is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> this year has been horrible yes, for everyone. 2020 so. has been horrid. So what are you up to lately? It's working. Uh, what is it? Internal relations?
1: International relations, yeah, so what I did my master's in. So I worked for the foreign office.
0: So, so you don't live in Preston anymore?
1: No, in Glasgow. Where is that? In Glasgow.
0: That's in Scotland. Uh, Scotland. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. tend to pick up the accent. You kind of like have a Scottish accent there.
1: Glasgow. <laughs> oh, I don't intend to pick up a Scottish accent anytime soon.
0: <laughs> so since October, so that was two months ago.
1: Yeah, Yeah, two, three months, if that, yeah, not long at all. Still getting used to the job, really.
0: Really? It's
1: pretty, pretty weird. There's pretty much no one in my office because everyone's working from home, apart from me and a couple of others. And yeah, it's quiet.
0: <laughs> so you've been working from home uh, since when?
1: No, I've been, I've been going into the office.
0: Oh, but you told me you were free until New Year's.
1: Yeah, yeah. I took annual leave for this um, Christmas period.
0: Yeah. How was your Christmas? Seems to
1: make sense. Well, I spent it on my own. Really?
0: Where's your girlfriend?
1: (laughs) She's at her mum's and uh, I didn't fancy self-isolating for 14 days before Ah. going over to see her. So, yeah. So you didn't go? (laughs) She's only coming back in the new year. Did you
0: spend spend it with your family?
1: No, couldn't. It was, um, the restrictions are quite tough here over the Christmas period. So you can't travel between England and Scotland. Not legally, anyway.
0: People still do it um, secretly.
1: <laughs> oh, lot, lots and lots of people are. They don't really understand that um, they can still be infected by the virus. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I heard. I heard about Britain going into a fourth tier lockdown. Was it?
1: Well, yeah, but it's it's a bit strange. They come up with these tiers in in Britain, mm-hmm. and. No one really respects them because the government's confused the message so much. And between the four nations, Mm -hmm. England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland, the rules are different and they've got different tier systems. So England started off with three tiers. Mm -hmm. Then Scotland had five tiers, including zero. It went zero, one, two, three, Mm -hmm. four. Northern Ireland didn't have any tiers and Wales was just on full lockdown. Oh, okay. And then England decided to add a fourth tier. So fourth
0: tier <laughs> is like the, the most strict. How is it differ it, it from is the other tiers? Oh, okay.
1: Well, it comes down to what's allowed to be open. So in tier four, um, only essential shops are allowed to be open. So places that sell food. In tier three, um pubs can open until a certain time. Um and hairdressers can open. And then tier two, there's not that many restrictions at all. Uh it's more limited on the uh the number of people are allowed to be gathered in one place.
0: Yeah, about that. Tier
1: one I, not sure I
0: heard I heard that uh back in March when you guys are first quarantined people are rushing to the pubs. Is that true?
1: It's very true. (laughs) It's shockingly true.
0: Are you included in among these people?
1: Certainly not.
0: (laughs) And they were really
1: luckily, I have a mind.
0: (laughs) And they were really mad to to the government, like we need our beers and (laughs) we need to drink, we need to go to pubs.
1: It was worse than that. It was they announced that we were going into lockdown on. they announced it on Wednesday and I think we went in on a Saturday. Uh So the Friday night was one of the busiest nights you've ever seen. It was busier than New Year's. Uh The pubs were packed. (laughs) And what really encouraged people to go out was because the pubs knew they couldn't be open for a while. Yeah. It was reduced prices on all the beers. People were paying a pound a pint, which here is very cheap. It's normally like four pounds a pint. Uh So... It was chaos. I just walked through town on the night. I didn't drink. I was thought, this is ridiculous. And scenes across all the cities were just people partying and generally not understanding that they're probably going to make it worse.
0: Yeah. So what were the rules like in the UK? And how do people react to it? They don't actually follow the rules?
1: Well, at first they did. In the first lockdown, people followed the rules reasonably well. The problem is the government didn't exactly make the rules clear. Uh So for one, they weren't technically legal, everything that they passed. It wasn't illegal Mm -hmm. to not follow them because of how they passed the legislation. It was just guidance. So that was wrong. The government refused to declare a state of emergency. Mm-hmm. If they declared a state of emergency, then they could have made the rules legal, but they didn't. So they didn't commit fully to it, the rules. And I don't know if you've heard of Dominic Cummins, who was senior advisor to the prime minister oh, at no, the time. not Basically, uh, as senior advisor, the guy who came up with all the stay-at-home slogans, which we have <laughs> in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, decided to break the rules... And um, the government defended him. Oh, okay.
0: So that's the same case with (laughs) Malaysians. Those politicians break the rules, but when these uh, civilians do it, then they get fined for it and they get sent to prison. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's The government's made a right shambles of it here and there's no faith or trust left in the government to be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. And one of the main reasons for that is they refuse to release in any sort of helpful timeframe, the Mm -hmm. SAGE report, which is the science and government uh, advisory group. So that's the top scientists Mm -hmm. in the UK who come up with um, all the medical advice. And every time they have been released, like three months later, you look what the government's done and you look what SAGE was saying at the time, and they're completely Mm -hmm. different. They're not listening to the science scientific advice at all so no one's got any faith in them
0: so did the uh, authorities give out like fines or anything so there is no punishment at all for people who
1: well there is however they can't really enforce it Mm -hmm. so they started to give out fines the police uh, and then within two weeks came out on the news as a suspected at the time when they introduced them that police will no longer be giving out fines, but rather a summons to the magistrates' court or lowest mm-hmm. courts um, because they can't enforce the fines because of the way they've made the legislation. And nothing's enforceable. And after this, I can see a lot of the fines that have been issued, the so-called legal mm-hmm. ones, they'll probably be overturned because they don't have the correct backing in law to enforce them from what, from what we can tell
0: but how are the people uh react to it like do they still wear masks and practice social distancing in public no
1: <laughs> it de- it depends where you go uh-huh. <laughs> it, it it's a bit of a split so you have some people who are very careful about mm-hmm. it um who will practice social distancing but i'd say the majority they'll wear the mask and they'll think Okay, that keeps us safe. And they won't be following the two-metre guidance rules, which we've got. Mm -hmm. They'll still be going into shops far too much. And most people don't know how to wear a mask correctly. We call them chin diapers. (laughs) Instead of covering the nose, they'll just have them over the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. I think Scotland is worse than England on following the rules from what I've seen you're meant to wear masks on public transport Mm -hmm. not everyone does schools are an absolute joke (laughs) Uh, primary schools and high schools uh, every when they show them on the news they show nicely social distance classrooms Mm -hmm. but I've got several friends who are teachers in high schools and primary schools there's no such thing as social distancing actually in most schools it just doesn't happen. Uh they try, but it doesn't happen. You can't get kids to follow the rules at all.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> the teachers have to play the role of enforcing those rules. And I also heard about yeah. this one uh rule where you can only go for a run once a day.
1: Yeah, that uh that was a rule. When we first went into lockdown in March, the rule was you're only allowed out your house for one form of exercise a day. Ah, okay. Now People bent that rule massively by their one form of exercise was driving up to the Lake Districts or Snowdonia National Park Mm -hmm. and going for a walk up the hills, which caused thousands of people to go there, which led to the police having to go and start turning people away. Uh, And then when we came out of the first lockdown, there was still this advantage. It's never been law. It's always been advice. <laughs> yeah. Because the government's not willing to declare a state of emergency which should actually give them the power to make it law. So people follow it sometimes, but most people, From why so in the summertime and when it was hot, beaches full, parks full. It's not, it's not a surprise to me <laughs> that there's such a high number of cases in the UK.
0: Yeah, and it's not possible for you to enforce it anyway because who is going to monitor? Like, there's no way of knowing if the people are going for their second round, second form of exercise during the day.
1: Not at all. It's a, it's an absolute joke. <laughs> the whole concept that people would <laughs> listen to it when the, the this government minister's not following them. Some people do. Some people follow it really well, but I'd say... People
0: like you. Yeah, I
1: do. I do. Um, I was only going out for one form of exercise a day. I was, back then I was working for the NHS. Mm -hmm. So I was working, speaking to doctors and nurses every day, hearing what they were going through, Mm -hmm. hearing how bad it was because I was working on IT. So I'd call them fixing computers and things like that. I had friends going into hospitals and it was bad. Uh, But then it eased off over summer. Mm -hmm. And now that we've just hit the highest peak since March, people don't really care. Because now it's a vaccine and it will be fine. It's worse. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So the UK received the vaccines already?
1: The UK has received it and they are rolling it out. We have the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, which was Mm -hmm. developed in Oxford. That's just been approved for use today. Mm -hmm. And they'll start rolling it out next week. And we've got the Pfizer-Zeneca vaccine, which we've had around 550,000 people vaccinated so far.
0: So you have to to go to the hospitals to get it, or do they come to your house? It seems to
1: be in hospitals and medical centres, but they're starting with the over 80s. I see.
0: So I'm
1: about... Thirty million in line for it at least. <laughs> <laughs> but just... we've got to start somewhere.
0: <laughs> so how about the border are the borders closed or open?
1: Uh, see the borders are a bit of a mix at the moment. Before Christmas, so just over a week ago now, mm-hmm. the the new strain of the virus was announced oh, by yeah, the UK. I heard
0: about
1: that, okay. The World Health Organization's been informed and the UK government is working with the World Health Organization. Now, France were the first to close the border to the UK through the Channel Tunnel, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then 40 other countries soon followed suit. So you couldn't leave the UK, but you could still get in because I had a few friends who were coming into the UK Mm -hmm. uh, via Dover Calais uh, on ferries that were still inbound, but those non-going outbound and the flights were all cancelled. And even now, you're restricted on what flights you can catch. So with flights, you have to have a negative COVID test before you're allowed to fly now on most airlines. But if you come in by sea, you don't have to. And because it's coming in, they don't seem to mind because we've already got so many infections, but other countries (laughs) won't let UK (laughs) residents in. (laughs) Uh, uh, yeah, the, the new strain they're finding across the world now, anyway, and they don't really, they're not sure where it started. The new strain,
0: so it's not uh, from the UK.
1: The, there's a theory that it first started in South Africa oh. because it was detected in two South Africans who came over at the start of December. Mm-hmm. The new variant, but to be perfectly honest, there's no way for them to tell. Uh, So at the moment, I believe the new strain is called the UK strain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So this strain is much more contagious.
1: Yeah, it's much more contagious, but it's not necessarily much more deadly. So it's a change to the protein molecules, which is, that's how they attach to our cells. And that's more effective now. So it's about 70% more effective than the old strain but not necessarily more deadly. And the vaccines, they think, will still work on it.
0: So do you have any family members who are currently affected by COVID?
1: I've got a brother stuck in Sweden at -hmm. the moment who can't come back to the UK because of the flights yet. He's hoping Mm -hmm. to come back some point in the new year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've got another brother who lives in Sweden. They all got COVID. Slightly bit of a different situation over there. They were all fine, though. You know, none of them are old and they got it because while their family members worked in a care home.
0: Uh-huh. More
1: than likely that's how it got brought back, but they were all fine, luckily.
0: Uh, you just quarantined at home?
1: Yeah, they just quarantined and they got a they got a bit ill, but they were fine. But you know, it's it's about ninety nine percent of the people who get covid will be fine. Except it's the about, elders. It's the one percent, yeah. And that's it.
0: Which uh, one of your brothers uh, went to St. Stephen's school? Because I remember... All ha- of them. Really? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so Michael, Patrick and Daniel. You'll probably most remember Michael. He was yeah. the year above us.
0: Yeah, I think I remember him. Uh, but this, this thing I noticed about Western mentality when handling COVID, very different from how Asian people handle it. In Malaysia, the, the cases are quite controlled because the rules here are very strict. So during the first lockdown, people can't go out without a valid reason or else they will be sent to prison. And yeah, wearing masks is mandatory, mandatory or else you will get fined.
1: It's two very different approaches that the nations are taking, like here and you know, especially some nations in the Far East. And, mm-hmm. and I think that comes down to, one, the idiocy of the general UK population. <laughs> and <laughs> um, two
0: it's not idiocy, I think, it, I think it's more it, stubborn than idiocy
1: yeah it, <laughs> it, it is and it isn't, it, it is a lot of stubbornness but I think the second rule is the second main reason why there's such big differences in handling is Britons tend to be very on the high horse about their liberty yeah. and how much you can restrict what they can do and you know it, Look at America, that's exactly the same. Any sort of um, infringement on liberty is seen as a slight against themselves. And it's very hard here to infringe someone's liberty because of the enshrined democratic nature that's in our system. If you say you can't do something, well, if that's blocking our civil rights, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to go to court. And the only way the government could have remotely remotely enforced it was by declaring a state of emergency, because that would have been the only way they could mm-hmm. have put in the necessary restrictions. But I think there would have been massive protests against it, saying, yes. making it law and having such harsh conditions in Britain. I can't see it. I think there'd be massive uproar and protests. Whereas, uh, if you look at China, it is more of a state-controlled nation, mm-hmm. and there is more people. it's, it's Difficult to put it. It's, it's not that people are more. People are more used to being oppressed. It's what okay. I mean, but it's not what I mean. Does that make I sense?
0: <laughs> no, they were used to listening to others. But, yes. yeah, I get what you mean.
1: <laughs> Being oppressed is the wrong word because, you know, <laughs> there's still freedom in a lot of these countries. But when that sh- freedom is restricted, mm-hmm. Britain won't accept it as much because British people, one, don't see the need for it because, well, it's been handled terribly already. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I just think it's not very culturally British to have such restrictions on liberty.
0: Even when it comes to life and death?
1: Especially when it comes to life and death. Us <laughs> <laughs> well, in Britain, we're invincible, we know. We
0: won the war twice. <laughs> yeah, tell that to the Irish. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see what happens with Brexit still.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yesterday you mentioned about fake news uh, in Britain, or is it, or do you mean the whole world? and how it affects 2020. Can you tell us more about that?
1: So Fake news, I found fascinating throughout... Well, since Donald Trump got elected and he seemed to... He didn't coin the term fake news, mm-hmm. but he's been one of the biggest vocal units, say, saying that there is a lot of fake news. And when it comes to COVID, unlike what Trump was chatting on about, there actually mm-hmm. is fake news, and it's in these... Uh, the way it spreads and how, how deadly it is and people saying it's like the cold when it's not. So, you know, the whole theory, oh. some of the biggest fake news that is out there on Facebook is, you know, if you, you can't catch COVID, if you've done this or if you've done this and people don't think it's real. People have died because they thought COVID yes. is a conspiracy theory and they've not taken any precautions. It's like, oh... COVID's not real. Or COVID's just like getting a bad case of the flu, you'll be fine. Yeah. And that's not helped. And when you look at Facebook has been trying to massive, the Supreme Court in America is looking into the issue of Facebook and removing fake news stories. But then how do you police that? So,
0: and I also you, heard about uh, the vaccines having chips in it. <laughs> Have you heard that one? <laughs>
1: Oh, I forgot about that one. Well, that's just embarrassing <laughs>
0: that people yeah that.
1: Microchips within the vaccines so that the government can track you. <laughs> and also it's like, in, so anti-vaccine has been a thing long before COVID. Anti-vaxxers, basically mm-hmm. people who say it's unnatural to get a vaccine. Yep. Uh, and they're spewing this nonsense. You could show them a thousand studies that show, show why vaccines are safe. And then they'll pick the one that says it's not safe and stick with that. And one of the main things is, well, it's got aluminium in it, the vaccine, or it's got mercury (laughs) in it. Well, yeah, yeah, they do. And you wouldn't eat that stuff, so why would you inject it? Well, because one, it's going into your blood.
0: It's completely (laughs) different.
1: And two, well, you wouldn't inject orange juice into your blood, would you? But you'd eat it. It's just the nonsense that, anti-vaxxers come up with smallpox for example was wiped out in the 70s because people took vaccines Yep. we've seen it and increase. now it's
0: back exactly back.
1: <laughs> because people decided to stop taking vaccines because of these anti-vaxxers yeah, you know these
0: you, people enraged me
1: measles mumps and rubella was a big one uh mm-hmm. that, most of the UK population was vaccinated against. And we've seen a drop in the percentage of people being vaccinated for R because of anti-vaccine. And, believe it or not, surprise, mm-hmm. surprise, we've seen an increase <laughs> in cases. <laughs> um, like,
0: what was their, their main argument against vaccine anyway? Is it just because of it's unsafe?
1: Well, there's a, there's a couple of arguments against it. One is the general spiel of anti-vaxxers, that vaccines themselves are all unsafe. And two, and the slightly more hard-hitting, convincing one, which will probably dupe most normal people, is how fast the vaccines have been developed. Uh So because they've been developed in literally months, and most vaccines take over a year to develop, there's no way they could have been, well, this is what anti-vaxxers say, There's no way they could have been properly tested, proper clinical trials, and we don't know what effects they're going to have in the long-term future. So are they safe in the long term? Realistically, we don't know, but they've still gone through the same rigorous checks that other vaccines will have gone through because they have been approved through the same channels. But then the the Pfizer vaccine, they've got a clause written in where they can't be sued if someone's made ill by the vaccine, mm-hmm. which doesn't really help the case that the vaccine's safe. So they're not helping themselves. Then yeah, what do you do?
0: Some of the system, uh, symptoms that I know is Bell Palsy, right? But you only get that for a week at most. But still, then you'll be safe from the, from the virus. I still take it, even with the side symptoms.
1: Oh, yeah, I'd still take it. But <laughs> there's many people out there campaigning against it and who wouldn't take it if offered because they simply don't think it's safe, because they don't think the clinical trials have been done right. And these are generally the same people who don't think any vaccine's safe and they probably also think the earth's flat. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a whole other story. <laughs> but I, I, I bet you can't wait to get vaccinated. You must uh, miss the travel a lot.
1: I do, but it's going to be a long time before I get offered the vaccine. It's a slow process, and I'm not a priority because if I so get only... ill, I'll probably be fine because of my age. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but wait, we are the same age, right? You're 29, right?
1: Yep, just turned 29. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are the same age. <laughs> yeah,
0: we are. <laughs> because I remember in high oh, not in high school, in primary school. Uh, I remember distinctly. You were quite competitive. you got to be competitive. <laughs> <laughs> you were I too. Mean, I mean, I was trying to get ahead of you in everything, especially in math.
1: You did just beat me in maths, I think, by yep, one mark. Yeah, I did.
0: Really? I didn't know that. It was, it one, was, mark. It
1: was one or two, two marks on the final exam in year six.
0: Oh. And I won the mathematician award. I'm so proud of that, by the way. <laughs> <sighs>
1: still better <laughs>
0: <laughs> how's mr Shaki? mr Shaki was a headmaster right
1: yeah is he uh, still
0: around i honestly
1: don't know i i heard oh. about in a, last i heard about five years ago he was uh, still around i don't know i think he retired about five or six years ago um oh. but yeah he, he continued on there for many years afterwards and I think Miss Kirkland became head. She might even still be head teacher. Oh,
0: Miss Kirkland. Who used to
1: teach year six, yeah.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Do, I'm do guessing you... you went on to do maths A-levels then. I or... know. Uh, <laughs> well, you're doing physics, so <laughs> I... that's maths related. Yeah, I'm
0: doing physics. <laughs> do you keep in touch with any of our schoolmates? Uh,
1: only a couple. So I don't know if you meant, uh, remember a guy called James Brunton.
0: Yes, yep. I remember.
1: Still keep in touch with him. Oh. Uh, uh, and the Year above us, Darmesh, Darmesh. Knight. I, I don't
0: remember that. Yeah, probably won't remember.
1: James is still keep in touch with, but none of the others, really.
0: I remember James, Nathan. Uh...
1: Nathan's married yes. with kids.
0: Yes, uh, yes. I think <laughs> just me, uh, My sister mistaken you with Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's uh, Amzad. Amzad.
1: Amzad, uh, yeah.
0: Sit- sits in front of me in class. And then there was Stacy, Natalie. And I remember Tamara. Do you remember Tamara?
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember them. I know that oh. at least one of the people who were at school with is dead now. At least yeah. one of them. I, it's one of the girls, but I can't remember which one exactly.
0: Wow, well, that surprised me. You don't remember who?
1: It, it was one of the ones who hung around with Stacy and Natalie.
0: Uh-huh. Or
1: Tamara. It was one of that group. I can't remember which one, but I'd heard mm. about that last year from someone. Just hear about random things. I don't I don't even have any of them on Facebook. I've only got James and Nathan, though I don't Nathan. speak to Nathan <laughs> at all. He he, he <laughs> kinda of lost touch when we went to uni. And oh. well I don't know if Nathan went to uni. I completely lost touch with him. I just know he ended up getting well, his now wife. As soon as he met <laughs> her, that's it, he didn't see him anymore. <laughs>
0: Do you guys go to uh who do you go to high school with?
1: Uh so high school I saw Nathan a lot. Oh, uh right. I saw James. Uh I saw a lot of people from the year below. Kieran, Stefan. Oh Stefan. Stefan so, so you in o- touch with. He's... So you only
0: leave Preston last October. Before that you were in Preston all your life?
1: Yeah, apart from university. <laughs> so when um, Say I left for university. I only went to Lancaster. It's only twenty miles up the road. I did my undergraduate uh, and my masters
0: there. So you did your masters at Lancaster too?
1: Yes, which was wait,
0: Lancaster was uh, the university my dad studied in when we stayed there.
1: It's a very good university. It's
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I did uh, history and international relations for my undergraduate, and then international relations for our masters, and I was. Were you... Going to do a PhD in international relations, I got accepted at St. Andrews to study a PhD. But mm-hmm. funding-wise, it just wasn't right. So I did my Master's instead of doing a PhD. And now I work on my own. Uh,
0: Is it still in your plan to do your PhD later In the long
1: term, yes. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I've been writing my own thesis in my own really? time. Uh, looking at wow, well, uh, work up free time. <laughs> comes along!
0: I'm amazed. Like who does this in their free time? I watch Netflix in my free
1: time. <laughs> I I quite <laughs> enjoy it. I, I can't afford to uh, go on a course and do it officially, but mm-hmm. one I know how to write. It's what I've done for the past many years, and uh, I can always get my girlfriend, who's a doctor in criminology, to check mm-hmm. my writing. The only thing that being at university would really help me to do is um, dedicate more time to it because my topic is, well, you're doing your PhD, you, you'll probably know if you're doing a <laughs> unique topic, your professors can't really help you as such. They can guide you in the right direction and, you, and probably mm-hmm. help you discover things quicker. But mm-hmm. it's something that you can do by yourself if, if you want. It just takes longer and it takes a little bit more drive to get out of bed and want to do it because you're not doing it full time. Yeah, When you get home mm-hmm. from work, it is a bit of a struggle to start reading Trotsky or Thucydides and ancient texts and looking at the Bible and the Quran. I'm looking at all those texts and I'm looking at morality. So, yeah. So were you
0: always interested in history since high school?
1: Yeah. So high school, I did... I so studied history in high school very specifically. Mm-hmm. I got an A star in history, did it at A level, got an A star at A level, and then did it at wow. university. But then at university is when I decided to do a joint honours degree in history and international relations. And then I mm-hmm. started to prefer international relations a lot more because it's a lot more engaging rather than history, talking about the past. With international relations, you talk about what's currently happening and theorise about Mm -hmm. why nations are interacting, what's going to happen next rather than this happened because Mm -hmm. of this. It's a bit more rewarding, the sort of writing that you do in international relations than history, I find, which is why I continued with that instead of history. Though, obviously, I did my degree in it. I'm still interested in history.
0: (laughs) Uh But it
1: informs the present.
0: So what did you do before you moved to Scotland?
1: I worked for the NHS for a while, just doing Uh IT. Before that, I did a lot of climbing and cycling. I worked in that industry, which was great. I travelled a lot around the country doing it, using Preston Uh as my base. I did a lot of trips with leading groups for charity, worked with a lot of kids, teaching them how to ride, taking them uh, expeditions but they uh, decided I really need to actually earn some real money and do something that I don't just enjoy but something that earns some mm-hmm.
0: money well, so you get paid. because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> going around
1: cycling it, it was fun and working for myself was brilliant, climbing a lot was brilliant but it, it wasn't exactly the most profitable thing which isn't always the worst thing in the world as long as you enjoy it but you want something stable. And I think I I got into something a bit more stable at the right time because Mm -hmm. outdoor industry now is completely wiped because of COVID. So (laughs) I moved jobs at the right time, which is always a bonus.
0: (laughs) So what else interesting happened to you this year?
1: This year year I started working Mm -hmm. for the foreign office. I finished with the NHS, got a job Mm -hmm. with the foreign office. 80 odd other people applied for my job. And uh, I beat them all out. Okay. I was pretty pleased with that.
0: Wow.
1: Midst of a pandemic job situation here is not great at all. There's a lot more people out of work and it's a lot more competitive. So I was lucky to get my new job.
0: But you still get the job. Yeah, you're really something else.
1: (laughs) But then why wouldn't they (laughs) pick me exactly?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Boasting, I see.
1: (laughs) Well, I've not lost my competitive streak. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm pretty sure you weren't up either.
0: Uh, yeah, I didn't. But but okay, so what I do now is I'm doing my research but meanwhile I'm just teaching kids uh English as a part time as a means to support myself because I this is my fifth year, so I didn't get scholarship anymore because the government said okay, you are you are spending too much time doing your PhD yet, so we can't afford to pay you anymore. Oh, no. So I, I'm guessing it was meant so to. four years. Then three years actually, you have to finish your PhD by three years to grad on time to graduate. On yeah, time but most and...
1: people do push to four. I know my partner went four mm-hmm. years, and that's fine too. I mean, I'd have finished it in three, yeah. but
0: wow, <laughs> I just can't believe you <laughs> Yeah, of course, you're going to finish in three because you're already halfway through your thesis already. <laughs> you did that, <laughs> didn't you? I'm three getting time. there.
1: My thesis is based on, <laughs> uh, my. Un- I wrote a thesis in my undergraduate, only 10,000 words, but I got 100% on that. And this is based on it, but a lot more developed, because in 10,000 words, you barely scratch the surface of morality. So
0: so when you're doing your PhD thesis, like you're doing history, like more like history, internal <sighs> intern relations, right? So you don't have to do any experiments or give out surveys to people? No, it's
1: very theoretical, mine. So I don't have to do any surveys, I don't have to conduct any tests or anything like that. <laughs>
0: so where do you get your sources from?
1: Well, yeah. uh, it's based on my own ideas. So stuff oh, that no, I've okay. just come up with and learnt and plucked out of in myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Secondly, I I read. So international relations is basically why nations do what they do. So why why does Britain, for example, give foreign aid to any country? Is it for influence Mm -hmm. or is it actually just to be nice? And there's two main schools of thought in international relations. There's realism Mm -hmm. and there's liberalism. Which is kind of like the left and the right wing in politics. Mm-hmm. Realism sees the state as isolated uh, zones that are all out for their own self-interest. So, what happens mm-hmm. within a state doesn't affect the wider international relation, international landscape. So, imagine it like um, balls on a pool table. When they hit together, that will affect another ball. But what happens within the state means nothing. So if, if you win, the other person loses. That's realism. It's a zero-sum game. Whereas liberalism would push towards um, supranational institutions like, for example, the UN. It would aim for global laws, federalism uh, and cooperation. And it would see the reasons for that, it all comes down to the state of nature. Is man innately good or are they self-interest and bad? So liberalism says good mm-hmm. and states will do what they do to be good, and realism states are doing what they're doing because in some way it will help with their own cause and interest themselves. So even even joining the UN. Even you know that might initially seem a very liberal idea,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but realists would say, "Well, mm-hmm. no, it's a realist idea because that cooperation stops us from having to fight a war there, so we can, therefore, get more resources."
0: Okay. But- well, wow. you talk like a real professor. <laughs> you want to be? Do you want to be a professor once you finish your PhD?
1: In the longer term, possibly, but I think war. Well, the main things that i see if you ever go into teaching in the longer run especially in international Mm -hmm. relations is you have to have worked in it first because theoretical Mm -hmm. side is really good but i think to Mm -hmm. actually go and teach it to other people you need a a very good grasp
0: experience yeah
1: i don't think you can do one without Mm -hmm. the other Mm -hmm. what about you do you want to go into physics
0: yep that's my plan (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I have to finish my PhD first. At least I try to graduate by next year. I, I really passionate about teaching actually. At first, uh, when I got into teaching part-time, I only do it because I want to get paid, but then I really enjoy doing it. That's good. <laughs> public speaking is not my forte. I hate it, public speaking, <laughs> but yeah, getting into it, it's not that bad actually. And now, like right now I'm doing podcast with you. I was nervous to be honest, but then it it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> this was this is actually my uh fourth episode. I had three episodes before this.
1: Uh, are you enjoying doing right, the podcast? Uh, going back
0: oh, Yep. Good. The first reason because I want to improve my articulation skills. I can write, but when it comes to speaking English, I stumble upon my words sometimes. So this is a way to yes. practice.
1: <laughs> well the more you speak it, the easier before it becomes.
0: This, yeah. so But before this, I only invite uh, my my little sister, my old friends to do a podcast with me. So, yeah, you're one of my oh, old friends. I'm happy to
1: help. I quite enjoy
0: it. <laughs> I reached out to you. <clears throat> <laughs> so, when I, when I ask you about lessons that we learned about 2020, right? You mainly focus on like career-related stuff. Like you moved on with your career and that's really nice. But what about your experiences as a person? Like, so? What did you learn during quarantine? The career
1: side has been great for me. Joining Foreign Office mm-hmm. has opened up a lot of doors. Personally, mm-hmm. I think one moving away from home and actually moving in with a woman,
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's a big step. Like it is a bit of a milestone. Yeah
0: how how do you enjoy but it so far?
1: On? It's great. I'm loving it.
0: Of course, because you have someone to take care of you. I think she's really, she, you're giving her a big headache.
1: <laughs> oh, she's lucky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, tell yourself that.
1: <laughs> I think, yeah, living with someone, living with, it's it's brilliant. I think that's a big step. How, being away from all your friends, because uh, they're also impressed in. Mm-hmm. Hasn't really made any difference at all this year to me because I couldn't go back and see mm-hmm. them anyway. And even when I was there, I weren't allowed to see them because of COVID. So I think most people this year have found not much have changed. But for me personally, I, I found it a great year. I've got a new job. I've moved in with my girlfriend. I've got a good mm-hmm. path ahead of me of where I want to go. Nothing bad mm-hmm. has happened this year to me. Um, yes, I've known people who've got ill, but... No one I know has died of COVID. It's, it's been a really good year for me. <laughs> I know it's been bad for a lot of people.
0: So, but for me, it's been good. Yeah, it's been bad for a lot of people. It's been tough for me too, you know, uh, due to the uh, quarantine. But I, I'm not saying that I hate quarantine because I get to spend it with my family. I quarantined with my family for, three, uh, for four months. And I think that was like the, the longest time I spent with them consecutively. Because I was, I get into a boarding school since I was 13. Yeah. So I only see them during weekends or once a month. But this time I had, I can spend time with them for four months straight, 24 hours <laughs> a day. <laughs> so that was nice. So did you quarantine with your family uh, or just with, with your girlfriend? Well,
1: I was, I spent two months quarantining with my girlfriend. I moved up, I came up to Glasgow in about May, June time for two months. I live with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was kind of a, a test run for living together. <laughs> While I was up here, I, in June, July, I got a new job and then we got the flat together and moved in together in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times than that, I've been living with my mum and that's been... Mm-hmm. Well, I live with her anyway. And I was working mm-hmm. from home every day anyway. So I just locked my door oh. and ignored everyone, ignored the world so frankly it's not made much difference to me I 100% preferred working from home when I was with the NHS, really? it, my, it made my job easier, it was less stressful not like it was stressful anyway I didn't have to see colleagues I didn't have to speak to people that, that social obligation which you uh, feel was just gone like
0: so you don't like meeting people?
1: I, I, I'm not an unsocial person. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't <laughs> like my job, so I didn't enjoy going in it. So working at home was fantastic.
0: Ah, uh, I see. Uh, but now all you do is meet people, right? Very,
1: very limitedly. It's still, still COVID, still very <laughs> restricted for what we can do. But it, it, it. There's a big difference. You like your job, it's fine. You don't like it. Yeah, you just want to mm-hmm. get out of there. Luckily, I like my job now. So.
0: <laughs> you find yourself more productive when I was at home? home. I
1: was a lot more productive.
0: Mm, I see.
1: Where now, this job, I'm more productive in the office because uh, you know I can be hands on with things. I don't get. I can't wait till it's all over. And I think the strangest thing is you can't just nip out and meet someone willy nilly. And I can't climb, so this year, mm-hmm. I I Climbed since I was four. I used to climb in primary school. Yeah,
0: really. Uh, What's the highest uh, mountain that, you've climbed? Still
1: walking. <laughs> we we do <laughs> rock climbing, so that's up cliff faces and things uh-huh. like that. Uh, sometimes I with ropes, sometimes without, depending on what you do. And you know, the, that's the biggest thing that I suffered. I used to do a lot, and this year we've had to cancel many things because of COVID. We were meant to go to a place called Fontainebleau, Mm -hmm. which is just south of Paris. And it's a really famous Mm -hmm. climbing area. We usually go every year for about 10 days uh, just to climb. And I used used to climb at least once or twice a week. And all that social side stops. that's really awesome. So, one, it's a way to keep fit. So,
0: Paris will be... (laughs) So, Paris will be your first stop uh, once you got vaccinated?
1: Yeah. Uh, I really want to arrange a trip down and get climbing again and even just indoor gyms, indoor climbing gyms here in the UK. They've been open sometimes and then closing, depending when the government decides the change in the tiers and what's allowed. Sometimes they're open, sometimes they're not. Mm -hmm. And I've only climbed about a handful of times this year.
0: Oh, so you still did climb this uh, year? It's not no like it stopped completely, completely, but a lot less. Wait, after Brexit, do you still have to use passport every time you travel within Europe?
1: Britons have to use passports traveling Europe anyway, because we're not part of the oh, Schengen zone, which is the free movement free movement area within Europe. So, the biggest thing that will probably hmm. change is whether we Britons will need to get visas or not to go to those countries. Which, as of yet, I haven't read the nine hundred and odd page mm-hmm. Brexit deal yet, but from what I've heard <laughs> of it, there's some very badly written things in it.
0: but you do live to read
1: <laughs> I read
0: you might I read as well a lot get of the started first
1: draft that uh, <laughs> Theresa May came with I read a lot of that um a lot of that will carry over, but I haven't had time to read it yet it's. I've been busy with... I, I, I say I've been busy with other stuff. I've not. I've been playing around with my computer because I've got a new... I've got a new little electric <laughs> thing to play around with. That.
0: <laughs> Wait, so how does your brain work? You're into history and also you like... Uh, I'm very good into with computers.
1: I've worked uh, a lot on computers. I build them myself. Yeah. Um, I can code them. Really? I can put them together. Wow, that's impressive. If there's anyone who need, has a computer issue, they come to me because... Well, that's what I do. I've always liked computers. I've always, I don't don't suppose you remember, but in primary school, the teachers used to come to me to learn how to use the computers because I was the only one who, I used to have the key to the IT sweep in primary school. I'd go in early in the morning and set up all the computers in the morning. Wow. Because the teachers didn't know how to do it because they were very new back then.
0: Wow. So that's very impressive. So, but you learn all this by yourself. Because you don't take no, they that didn't teach that
1: in school. I was taught to it by uh, my mum's old partner many years ago, who used to set computers up in schools and build them. Oh. So I was brought up with it, fiddling around on mm-hmm. computers, fixing them, installing them, getting them working. And yeah, it's, I, I still do it, <laughs> amongst other things.
0: Ryan, do you have any other social medias other I've than only Facebook? got
1: Facebook at the moment. And... I don't.
0: And you don't, I don't. even post anything I, on there. I, I just,
1: <laughs> when I want to keep in touch with someone, I use Facebook. And I don't like sharing things on social media with people I don't necessarily know. Like, every now and again, I, I've, I've mm-hmm. been through Facebook and deleted many people off it. And I'm like, I've met them once. I'm never going to see them again. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like them then. So <laughs> I get rid of them. <laughs> That's very honest of you. I don't, it's it's just not for me social media. I'll look at it, but
0: funny that you mentioned that because I remember being friends with you on Facebook, and then I think I I checked your Facebook the other day, and then I'm not friends with you anymore, <laughs> so I had to send another request. So was I the the one of those people? <laughs> Obviously, you, you might
1: have been. <laughs> We're back in university. Uh, I had a friend at university, so keep in touch with. We, we went on each other's Facebook side by side. We had our computers next to each other and we looked at how many friends we had on it. And we had over 500 friends each on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And as we were going through, we'd just pick random people. So how do you know this person? And we couldn't say how we knew some of them. Like, right, here's, here's mm-hmm. the competition. Who can get the lowest about? And we both ended up deleting so many oh. people, we ended up <laughs> under 200. <laughs> Each Now, I think I'm, I'm still under 300, but it's not under two anymore. And it's just, it's sort mm-hmm. of mentality of uh, my Facebook settings are fully private. And I, I don't really want people mm-hmm. on. It's, I think we've got into a culture now where people share far too much. And people aren't really aware how that information's being used. So everything you do on Facebook is tracked. Every website that you go on is tracked.
0: Wait now that you say that, uh, I feel like your words are directed directly <laughs> at me, <laughs> because you know I have Facebook, Instagram, I have Twitter, I have TikTok now. <laughs> Do you know I have uh, uh over thirty six thousand oh, followers on TikTok? Initially, I I only use uh TikTok to make grammar related content for my students because I use I use TikTok as an app where I edit videos and then I repost it on Instagram so my students can look at it and learn from it. But then I gain a lot of followings because other people also enjoy looking at it. Like, they can learn some stuff too. And I think it's nice because I get a lot of uh, comments and DMs that they say that they appreciate my content because they can learn from it. So, yeah, it makes me happy. What you've
1: got to remember with (laughs) the internet is uh, you're putting Mm -hmm. yourself out there and only share... you you should only share Mm -hmm. what you're willing for anyone to know because wherever you put online, Mm -hmm. it becomes public domain and how that information is used. So TikTok, for example, is is brilliant and and it helps a lot of people. Interconnectivity is fantastic. But Mm -hmm. why has Donald Trump decided to try and ban TikTok? Why? (laughs) Because he thinks that China... We'll gather so much information about it. It's using
0: this information. If
1: if he was really concerned about it, it wouldn't be TikTok like we're worried about. There's plenty of other apps that are actually controlled by Chinese state media that would be used to track. But we're using it for teaching and following. That's brilliant. But I think it's very careful Mm -hmm. to have a separate life. Like you can have your digital life and your real life. And you've got to try and draw separation.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Thought for me. One of the main things you learn about international (laughs) relations is that Mm -hmm. there aren't only states. States aren't the only uh, actors in the world. You've got NGOs, that's Mm non-governmental organizations such as the UN, NATO, the World Health Organization. And you've got uh, global Mm -hmm. corporations. So your global corporations Mm -hmm. now, you've got Facebook, Amazon, Apple and Mm -hmm. Google. McDonald's is a global corporation. How is your culture and your life being affected by these corporations? So, for example, one of the most Western things that mm-hmm. I can think of is Coca-Cola and McDonald's. You'll find it mm-hmm. all over the world. And when mm-hmm. you bring McDonald's and Coca-Cola over to different countries, it's, it's a form of influence that company has. That's bringing new ideas and mm-hmm. new concepts into people's lives. And when you go on Facebook, Instagram, Google, the internet in general, what you're effectively doing, you're taking this massive world and you're reducing the size of it. You're connecting everyone. You can now be a complete psychopath and have mm-hmm. ideas that no one would agree with. So <laughs> if you know where to look on the internet, you'll find someone that agrees with you. There's a reason why they say the mm-hmm. Internet's an echo chamber, because those ideas will self-perpetuate. And if you can mm-hmm. control the narrative of the ideas that are put out on the Internet, then you can start to influence how people think. So who controls the media? So mm-hmm. you, in Britain, a lot of the newspapers are controlled by the Murdoch Foundation. So Rupert Murdoch owns a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, if they, all of their stories, if they start to write China's really bad, people start to think China's really bad. So who controls yeah. these sites, these apps, these things that we go on? Yeah. The more they know about you, the more they know how to influence you. So you're on Instagram and you, for example, or you're on Facebook or anything like that, you only know, get advertisement. All of those advertisements are targeted to you. They're based on what you've been looking
0: at, and because of the algorithm, right? Like they know yeah. what you, you click on. Have you ever experienced this when you like talking to your, talking to someone about something and then like, still appears pop up from what you're talking about. Facebook about the things that you talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and that scares me. That's
1: just how far it goes. So, Facebook at the moment are trying to sue mm-hmm. Apple because Apple want to block apps from tracking you on Facebook. But Facebook thinks this this goes against Mm -hmm. people's rights and will be detrimental. So who's the bad person here? Apple for wanting Mm -hmm. privacy or Facebook for thinking privacy is nonsense. This is what big companies do. So if you go off to China, you won't find Facebook because Facebook's Western. It's banned because of the influence that it would have on their culture. Mm -hmm. So... I think technology and using platforms to have a voice is brilliant. It's just you've also got to be very aware when using it how, how you're being affected by it because you're not going to necessarily see unless you consciously look for it. Humans like to... It's a psychological principle where you'll only read things that you agree with, and the Internet's great for doing that. And unless you consciously make an effort to read things that you disagree with, you're not going to do it. And I think everyone needs to always read something at least once a day that they completely disagree with. Play devil's advocate with yourself because it's the only way you learn. And when you've got everything Mm -hmm. on Facebook, everything on Instagram, all your posts are going to be, all them adverts that pop up, they're going to be targeted towards things that you already believe. And they're going to use your own beliefs to influence you in a certain Mm -hmm. way. That's how computers work. It started with cookies. That's what cookies are. But they store that in massive data centers and use massive algorithms to target ads by you. It was what was done in the uh, the Brexit campaign. It's why people hate Dominic Cummings because he used um, Cambridge Analytica, a media company, to do exactly that to target groups and tell them what they wanted to hear to make them vote in certain ways. So it is happening. It's not, you know, we, we know it's happening. It's just <laughs> people don't think it's an issue. And I think that's one of the main reasons I avoid overdoing it on yeah. social media.
0: Okay, Ryan, I think this conversation has been very <laughs> eye-opening. I went off on a bit <laughs> of a tangent at times. <laughs> and very enlightening. Ryan, I want to thank you very much for being with us today. It was really pleasant catching you're up best with you.
1: In your PhD, optical materials, is it?
0: Yes. So it's... is that
1: telescopes or is microscopes or is it lasers? Oh, no. Even better. Lasers.
0: <laughs> what I do is I design the laser medium out of glass, and this glass is consists of certain compositions of chemical materials. I test oh. out the beam. Have you
1: shot a laser at the moon yet? To have it bounce back. Mm. No.
0: Well, <laughs> that's too advanced for me. There is, actually, maybe, on my phone. There's um, a reflective
1: plate on the moon that's been put there specifically for bouncing lasers off. Oh. Well, it's just a science okay, experiment. What is it used They for? can measure the distance, they can measure the, how long it takes. Oh,
0: okay. Um, oh, I see. If
1: you're interested in lasers, you, mm-hmm. you can line a laser up to bounce it off the moon. They do it electronically, it's not done with a little hand laser or anything like that.
0: <laughs> wait, wait, I think. Also, oh, yeah. anyone can do it if you they just, have the, the laser.
1: Wait, you can't see it. And you can you'd see it bounce You record the bad. data on your computer That's screen. interesting. You wouldn't see it, but you'd record, oh. you'd record oh.
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting excited for a moment.
1: Like, <laughs> lasers look fantastic.
0: But mine is mainly, well, the application is going to be for, ah, like, eyebrow removal, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Ryan, I want to wish you all the best for your future and also for happy 2021. Year. Happy in New in Year's in advance. Enjoy your
1: day. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Bye.
0: Okay, thank you.